Welcome to ASRM Today Book Review, a podcast that interviews the authors who dive deeper into the field of reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, your host for this episode of the ASRM Today Book Review. On the show today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Mark Trollis about his book, The Fertility Doctor's Guide to Overcoming Infertility, Discovering Your Reproductive Potential, and Maximizing Your Odds of Having a Baby. Dr. Trollis is Director of Fertility Care, the IVF Center, and is a Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Central Florida College of Medicine. Dr. Trollis, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Always a pleasure to be with you. Now, what struck me right away reading your book was that this is very grounded in personal experience and and, and really slightly meditative about the power of family. For our listeners, tell us a little bit about your own growing up, about your family. Well, I come from an Italian family in northern New Jersey, and it was all about getting together with your relatives all the time. Everything was the big Italian dinner on Sunday, and every event was really just our family. So... Friends came sort of later on, but the main core was having cousins and, and obviously your immediate siblings. And it was just, it was wonderful times growing up. I, I, I miss that. I'm down in Florida now. And those were great memories, as many people have, fortunately, growing up. But, but the Italian family is, is, is rather uh, uh, unique in a sense. I remember when my, my cousin down here in Florida came to visit us, whom we haven't seen for years and my children were very young. And when we started talking, you know, we're, we, we are demonstrative. We are pretty loud at the kitchen table. And finally, my daughter says, calm down. And my uncle just, uh, my cousin rather, just, just laughed so hard. We, at the kitchen table, for an outsider, you could think it is a heated argument. And that's all we do is just talk loud and, and just, uh, I guess, try to get our word in edgewise. But uh, family is, is extremely meaningful to us. And that's why my experience of infertility was, was, was so difficult uh, for, for, uh, on multiple levels, actually. I want to talk about that with you here shortly. Uh, in the title of the book, you emphasize that it is your journey. And you map out the book in very logical steps. Was it difficult to boil down a lot of this information to something more easily digestible for a patient or just for someone who's curious? Well, I, I think if, you know, the interesting thing about the, the, uh, the embryogenesis of this book, right, is that I, I think if I knew what the journey was going to be like, I, I might have been so intimidated I, I wouldn't have done it. I wanted to share my journey to 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 give patients hope and inspiration and let them know they're not alone, that I that I don't just talk the talk, I walk the walk. But it was also meant to empower the patient to take charge of their fertility. I'm not an infertility specialist at all, but I mean, the way again that you laid it out was very logical and very well explained, you know, to the, I don't want to use the word layman, you know, but it's, it's just, it, 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 it's that good mix of just enough technical and just enough, you know, more pedestrian uh, terminology to, to, to keep me moving forward through it. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that, Jeff. And that, and that was actually a big concern of the publisher that, you know, am I talking to my colleagues or am I, you know, are your patients going to understand this? So there's a lot of rewrites to really make sure that, that they're grasping what you're talking about. And, and it's engagement. You know, it's not going to be good if there's a lot of information there and people don't want to read. 
uh, or it gets too technical that you, you just can't connect with them. But um, fortunately, so so far, we're, we're hearing good feedback. So let's backtrack for a moment. Uh, we're talking about the person, the personal aspects of of this text, and in, in your own life. Uh, very early on, you talk about your own personal struggles with infertility and the eventual decision to pursue adoption. One passage that struck me was, "And so we jumped over the fence onto the playground and became a family." What I've learned from our journey is the plans and ideas we had when we were younger will change. Nevertheless, our true character and integrity emerge when we face adversity and overcome our challenge to find fulfillment, not necessarily in the manner we originally intended. Can you talk for a moment about the adoption choice with infertility treatment? So I get choked up when I relive that, that time in my life for reasons that, that are not necessarily because I lament that we weren't able to have biologic children. I mean, quite the contrary. Never. Uh, never do I think that. Uh, it, we went through 10 years of infertility. And when I say that I have walked the walk of my patients, we went through everything. I had surgery. My wife had surgery. She had complications, miscarriage, ectopic pregnancy, emergency surgery, multiple IVF cycles, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. We were the poster children for a complicated infertility journey. And because I'm a stubborn Italian from New Jersey, we didn't adopt sooner. We didn't consider the alternative options. And I use my story to encourage my patients that, you know, it, it's admirable to, to pursue what you're doing because you want biological children. But time is passing. And in the end, I didn't experience genes as being very important. And I caution you to not take up too much time. The sooner you re resolve this burden, this nightmare of, of despair and, and void, the better. So after the 10 years, we were blessed to have adopted our five little angels. And I never regret not having biological children, ever. What I regret, the 10 years because it goes by real fast. You know, I, I talk about in the book that so time flies and stands still at the same time. Yes, that's right. Because you are in a cavernous limbo. Uh, your, your life, you don't even know where you belong any longer. And I can't imagine what a woman feels because of the the, the different biological investment. And not to say that men, of course, don't, don't have uh, a profound desire to have children, but women biologically, it's different. And to, to feel so disconnected from everybody else, to feel uh, ostracized emotionally, to not have a plan of marrying, falling in love, and having your children come to fruition. You are uh, isolated vulnerable, insecure, uh, overwhelmed, a myriad of emotions that never end. I remember, uh, uh, so we started in residency going through this and then through fellowship. And then when I was an attending, uh, many fertility physicians, and I was getting uh, PVCs. All the doctors online know, 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 know what that is. Uh, premature ventricular contractions. I was getting skip heartbeats. I went to a, uh, uh, my uh, physician colleague to get a beta blocker. I felt like I was under Niagara Falls and I, I couldn't breathe. Yeah, the stress. Because, it, oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, all day long, 
My patients are crying to me and all night long my wife is. I, I couldn't escape. And I'm not saying this because in any way that it's about me. I, I was saying that the the feeling of, of devastation and lack of, of, um, of uh, focus of knowing where you're going is, is, is indescribable. Well, and also you're trying to create empathy. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to understand. You, you have one point in the book where you use a, an example of a, of a female patient that was very upset. Uh, and you were trying to talk with them, you know, and, and, and talk them through and understand. Let them know that you, you're trying your best to understand how they're feeling. Right. All fertility physicians have faced the patient who is angry, uh, who is um, uh, disappointed, who feels guilty. You know, so many different emotions. And we also know that we're the messenger. We stand in the way of their dream. Not necessarily blocking that, but we are the conduit, if you will, to, to their hope, to their, to their life. And in speaking of the life, I, I, I really impress upon my patients, and whenever I do lectures and speak to women's groups and so on and so forth, I tell them that, please remember, you are not defined by your ability to procreate. That is something that you had no control over. And stress is trying to control something you can't. You're defined by what you do in this world, by how you contribute to your fellow person, by what, you, what your legacy is, using your special talent, finding your purpose. Those are things that define you, but not your ability to procreate. And, and I see so many patients with the uh, being despondent over, over infertility, as I was though it it would be remiss and negligent of me if I didn't impart what I knew of being able to share with them. So I probably talk about adoption sooner than most fertility doctors, Mm -hmm. because I think our responsibility is, is to look at the physical, emotional and financial investment, but very much the emotional that, that, that I think is my area of um, special interest and is how I connect to patients mostly. Uh, during uh, an initial consultation, mm-hmm. I, invariably my patients cry because they say, you know, no one's ever asked me what you just asked me. And I said, how are you doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, we get caught up in the science of our field and that's understandable. But we as clinicians are also particularly the area of infertility. The empathy needs to exude because the last thing a reproductive endocrinology and fertility practice needs to do is take a patient who is above stress level and increase that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing any blame. And, and, you know, but the point is, is that sometimes things are happening that we might be able to control if we, if we had better insight into what's going on in our practice or, or, or not, but it's our responsibility to the, allay the anxiety of our patients and walk them through this journey with a tremendous amount of support and make them know that we are here for them. It's interesting you use the word control because I I was I made a note that two of the chapters use the word confronting in chapter headings. In this case, it's confronting infertility and confronting secondary infertility. Um, why is it important to confront in the context of overcoming infertility? You're, you're starting to touch on that. Could you just touch a little more on it? Well, I, I think there's... There's two parts to a patient's 
a journey. Um, I, I describe it even earlier than that. There's two times in their life that are profound. One is that when they say, okay, hey, I think it's time to have a child. The second is, hey, I think there's a problem. And both of those are very, very defining. Then we fast forward to going to a place that you never thought you would ever end up, and that's a fertility practice. So there is a lot of resistance to patients that are being uh, advised to go on to this type of therapy or that type of therapy and so on. And the reason is because a lot of patients judge going on fertility treatment as a failure. They look upon that as, well, it wasn't meant to be, or it's not God's plan, or, or whatever have you. But the point is, is that they, they, they resist it. And I try to use the analogy. I say, hey, you know, this is technology that's available. Thank God. I said, you know, you're resisting this and want to do it naturally. But let's take the other analogy. Suppose you're in the emergency room and you're on a stretcher and you're in writhing in pain. The doctor says, hey, if we don't take that appendix out, you're going to die. People don't say, hey, I think I got this. I'm going to try to do it naturally. You know, we accept medicine in some areas. But for some reason, procreative ability hits home in a way that defines people. And that's a stigma. And the, the great work of Resolve and ASRM to, to remove that stigma and realize that this is, hey, you didn't do anything. This wasn't intentional. So I never tell a patient, <clears throat> pardon me, I never tell a patient, you need to do this, you need to do that. Because what infertility does it takes the control away from them that they normally should have had or, or expected. So the last thing I want to do, and I think as fertility specialists, we, we all should avoid telling a patient what to do because that takes control further away from them. So I use this book as a means to empower, to motivate, but also to have them take command of their journey and work hand in hand with the fertility specialist. Uh, so when they accept their fertility problem, that's a big step, you know, resisting and say, okay, let me go on fertility medication, but I don't want, I don't want to do intrauterine insemination, IUI. I just want to try to do this as natural as possible. Well, okay, I get that, but I tell them, look, I don't want to get to know you too well. Okay. And the evidence in somebody who's ovulating is that there really is no advantage of going on fertility medication unless you do IUI. Okay. So I think we should just try to maximize every cycle to its fullest so that we could hopefully expedite your ability to just move on with your life and go with your OBGYN. So the, the resistance that becomes acceptance, the acceptance does two things. It helps mental health. Okay. And it also allows them to be more proactive. So, so I think confronting these things is in some way a metaphor that they're going to take on their challenge, like cancer, okay? The battle with cancer, the fighting cancer, you know, that, that heroic effort, okay, needs to be noted and recognized, okay? And speaking of cancer, you know, uh, Ali Domar uh, released a, a paper several years ago to show that the emotional toll of infertility is equivalent to devastating diagnoses like cancer and heart disease. We have in our practice a reproductive health psychologist 
And I can't emphasize enough, uh, and, and of course, a lot of our colleagues do as well, that the mental health challenge of infertility is extremely vital uh, to address and work through while they're going through the infertility treatment. Speaking today with Dr. Mark Trollis, we're discussing his book, The Fertility Doctor's Guide to Overcoming Infertility, Discovering Your Reproductive Potential, and Maximizing Your Odds of Having a Baby. Dr. Trollis, let's talk for a moment. Let's continue this idea. We're getting into the body-mind uh, uh, area, uh, which again, your book does not shy away from at all. I want to ask you, uh, March is National Endometriosis Awareness Month, and chapter 12 of your book specifically discusses endometriosis in a very intriguing way. You write that endometriosis is physical pain and infertility is emotional pain. And we're kind of already moving our way towards there in this conversation. Um, but I think that the endometriosis is a really good example in your book. So, so how do you connect the physical and emotional aspects of pain then when talking with patients? Well, the two of them are, are both chronic problems. And you're, endometriosis is about 10 to 15% of the population. But when you get into its relationship with reproduction... You're talking about patients with endometriosis, about 40% of them are going to have infertility and vice versa. About 40% of infertility patients are found to have endometriosis. So endometriosis, as we, as we know, can result in chronic pain in addition, in addition to the fertility issue. When patients come with significant physical pain of endometriosis, I have them decide really of what is causing the most difficulty because to rid pelvic pain of endometriosis is not easy. So the way we address endometriosis is to say, you know, which pain is worse for you, the physical pain of endometriosis or the emotional pain of the infertility. And if they say, look, I could live with the endometriosis. I mean, the painful periods, I need to have a baby. So then we obviously go down that route as best as we can. So infertility is a chronic problem, as is endometriosis. But I, you know, I, I address them both head on and, and work with the patient to decide which way, way they want to go. And of course, you know, the, the advanced reproductive surgeons uh, in the country uh, with patients with advanced endometri endometriosis, maybe stage three and stage four benefit from surgery. I think that there's probably too many laparoscopies for, for uh, seeking endometriosis because we know that low stage is dubious of its impact or, or maybe if you're going to do, it's one in 12 laparoscopies that will be necessary for low stage endometriosis to result in one, one pregnancy. So probably uh, not as aggressive at, at, at treating every patient that has a suspicion of endometriosis, but it is the pain, the physical pain of endometriosis that I think drives the treatment. I want to make sure before we run out of time, I want to get in one more question with you. Um, there is a lot of hope, a lot of comfort in this book for a wide range of people. I'd really say everyone, honestly. Um, what's one thing you'd like to see this year, 2021? We're a year still transitioning due to the pandemic. Um, in the way that doctors discuss infertility with patients? Well, I have uh, a terrific question, Jeff. I have several wish lists. One of them is that every state is mandated for infertility coverage, including IVF and for veterans and for LGBTQ and fertility preservation. 
I'm, I'm working on that in Florida uh, with Resolve and ASRM. The other is, is to in, ensure equal access care. Uh, I still see LGBTQ patients feeling discriminated in other practices. That's wrong. We need to accept all who are trying to build their family without judgment and, and uh, give them uh, the care that they deserve. I also think that cancer doctors need to expedite and counsel patients who have cancer about fertility preservation options because we are doing better and better with cancer. We as a specialty, of course, as a as field of medicine, we're doing better and better at, at, at allowing patients to live and, and thrive with cancer as a, a survival and they need fertility preservation options, okay? Uh, and I also hope in, in uh, 2021 that we address and maximize evidence-based medicine for our patients uh, because I do think, unfortunately, that uh, assisted reproductive technology has become, uh, for, for many, uh, mostly what we do. And that's not really our specialty. Our specialty is the, field, is the depth and breadth of reproductive endocrinology and infertility. Uh, it's not all about the three letters, IVF. So we, we, we uh, need to impress upon the use of evidence-based medicine uh, for when IVF is appropriate and for when the add-ons, if you will, are appropriate, such as pre-implantation genetic testing. Uh, patients need to be appropriately educated about that to ensure that they are, are knowledgeable over the pros and cons of taking on that type of technology. I've been speaking with Dr. Mark Trollis about his book, The Fertility Doctor's Guide to Overcoming Infertility, Discovering Your Reproductive Potential, and Maximizing Your Odds of Having a Baby. It's available now everywhere you can get books. Dr. Trollis, thank you so much for being able to join us today. Oh, Jeff, I, I'm truly honored. I know that word gets used a lot, but but to have something that you've created recognized by such a prestigious organization as ASRM is is uh, I'm overwhelmed, and I and I am I, I thank you so much for your interest and your insightful questions, and and um, it, it was a wonderful experience. Thank you, my friend. Well, I I promise too. The pleasure is all on this side of the table, and we're going to get you up here, and we're going to break bread again, and have us a, have us a nice dinner when and and just kick back and say, "You remember when?" Looking forward to it. Absolutely. I am Jeffrey Hayes, and this is the ASRM Today Book Review. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.